Brought to you by the Mary Christie Institute, a thought leadership organization dedicated to the behavioral health and well-being of teens and young adults. We have a particular focus on college students. I'm Marjorie Malpedi, the executive director of the Mary Christie Institute. And I'm Dana Humphrey, the associate director of the Mary Christie Institute, and we're the hosts of the podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Marsha Morris, an associate professor in the Department of Psychiatry and the associate program director for student health psychiatry at the University of Florida. She is also a columnist and author of several publications, including The Campus Cure, a parent's guide to mental health and wellness for college students. Marsha, welcome back to the quadcast. So glad to be here. And our school is starting the fall semester Monday, so I'm ready to talk about students and the new semester. Well, so am I, considering that I have just packed up my senior to head off to Ohio for his senior year. So this is a very timely conversation, certainly for parents like me, but also for administrators and thinking about their mental health programming for the fall. We love having you on the show to talk about your extensive experience in college student health and to get your advice. Again, the timing could not be more relevant as students return to school this month, carrying with them the emotional and psychological toll of the pandemic. I'm sure this is going to be a major focus for you. Marcia, as you well know, the CDC released a report in March that showed that about 50% of young people between the age of 18 to 25 reported experiencing symptoms of anxiety and depression within the last seven days, up from 49% at the beginning of the survey period. Now, this really shows the increasing effect of the last 18 months on the mental health of our young people. We had Holly Chessman on last week talking about how concerned college presidents are for the mental health of their students. You know, given this data and your own experiences, what should clinicians, administrators, and parents in particular be thinking about and concerned about at this point in time? Well, there are two major issues that I feel universities should be concerned about, as well as families and mental health care providers. The the two main issues is students slipping through the cracks or students struggling and people not knowing about it. And the second issue is lack of access to mental health care, since we know there are higher rates of mental health problems right now. But regarding the first issue, what I'm seeing is students who might be close to graduation and are so overwhelmed, they're not doing well in classes, they might be failing classes, and they don't graduate on time. It kind of drags on, and I've seen this during the pandemic. So I think it's really important for universities to identify students who aren't progressing in their field, in their major, and do an intervention to help them, maybe provide a coach to them. But again, we're living in a very tough time between COVID, what's going on in Afghanistan, ongoing problems with racism and financial challenges. So this slipping through the cracks is one issue. The lack of access to mental health care is a huge issue, especially for students of color. And we know from studies that Black and Asian students are more likely to show up in the counseling centers with more serious problems because they tend to wait in terms of going. And we also know that students of color are having negative encounters with the police and may mistrust psychiatric care or mental health care from past experiences. So I, I have some suggestions for solutions about the, some of these issues that I just brought 
up. I do believe we have to have more mental health outreach to underserved groups like Black, Asian, and Latino students. The other thing we need is more case managers on campus to deal with the many social problems and challenges students are experiencing. And we need more success coaches to help students who are struggling and slipping through the cracks. We need more DRC specialists to help the students whose mental health problems are interfering with their academic progress. So we do need more services now for these the students who are struggling. So Marsha, can I jump in here? Because boy, everything you've said resonates so well, not just with the work that we do at the Institute and what we're learning, but also personally. I think you know my son when you started talking about how the pandemic has affected the academics because he has been struggling. And I think a lot of his friends have too. A couple of questions. It sounds like what you're describing, both for students who may be suffering academically or particularly for student population groups who have experienced the pandemic differently. You mentioned Black students and Asian students who've had an additional layer of stress given what's going on in society and what they have experienced relative to racism, etc. So it sounds like you're talking about an effort institution-wide that may be beyond what you'd think of as sort of mental health services, right? Right. And you mentioned Asian students experience stress. I have had a patients and I've known colleagues to be yelled at in the street about, you know, causing the COVID, saying you've caused the COVID pandemic or saying horrible things. We know, of course, that's not true, but I've had Asian students who are literally afraid to leave their homes. And I've had black students afraid to leave their homes due to fears about encounters with the police. That is very disturbing for sure. And institutions need to be more aware of this than usual. As you said, with not just mental health counseling, but you you talked about success coaches and sort of overall support, correct? Yes. And I think success coaches are critical because one issue I see is students getting into the major that may not suit them. They may not even love the major and that can really impact their enjoyment of their college career. And I know my son who went to a small private school, had access to a SAS coach and helped him figure out what major to change to and even helped him find a new academic advisor. For kids who have parents who might have more means, they can give advice to the students or hire a coach or something. The the students I'm, I'm most concerned about are the ones who don't come from means and don't have parents who've been through academics. And I see students floundering. So especially to the students who don't have a lot of economic means, I really feel we need more success coaches who takes an overall look at the academic experience and helps them choose majors and also helps them figure out what clubs to join to round out their college experience. Yeah, that's that's great advice. So speaking of advice, Marsha, you have provided such great advice to parents and how they can help support their students' mental health when they're away at college. I know you've been very helpful for me, including the Campus Cure, which was terrific. This may be a little broad, but I think for our listeners, what are some of the most important pieces of advice for parents on this topic right now? And has that changed at all, given what we've just discussed about this heightened concern? Well, there are something called the four T's that I think are essential. So that's kind of the basic thing, but then I'll give some practical advice and talk a little bit about dealing with COVID. But the four T's for parents are tell, teach, talk, and take action. So tell your student that they can come, you love them and they can come to you anytime. 
teach your students about mental health. What is anxiety? What is depression? WebMD and Mayo Clinic have great information, but teach them what to look for. And if they are experiencing symptoms of depression or anxiety, they should go right away to their counseling centers and not be afraid to seek help. Talk with them on a regular basis. It might be once a week. I, I even think it's great to FaceTime can you, so you can see, get a picture of what's going on. And the last T is take action. Hopefully you won't have to do this, but if you feel really concerned about your student, you might want the RA to check on them. You might want to, um, if you live close by, come visit them. You might call their roommate if you can't get in touch with them and you know they're having some severe mental health issues. And then you could even come visit for the weekend if you feel they need that support or boost. So those are kind of the basics that I've always said. And then there are some practical things associated with that. And I think parents should have have their students sign a FERPA waiver form so they can see how their grades are at the end of the semester. Because I have found that some students don't want to tell their parents if they're struggling but then they keep kind of retaking the same classes or just continue to struggle. So I think it's important to know what happens, not so you can punish your children, but so you can get them connected with campus services and help them, you know, kind of be a coach. But so the FERPA waiver form, I believe is important. So you can see the end of semester grades, HIPAA waiver form. So if they are seeking mental health services, if there's a crisis going on, it's good if you can talk with their therapist or psychiatrist, or if you just want to ask questions about any medicines they might be taking. So I mentioned FERPA waiver form, HIPAA waiver form, so you can talk with their providers if needed. And the last thing is helping students with health insurance. And I think this is more, even more challenging now, honestly, because you might switch jobs, they're on your plan, there are gaps in coverage. Coverage. It's really important to make sure they have good coverage that includes mental health. But I want to say something about helping students deal with COVID. I do think it's important for parents to acknowledge how stressful it is for students, but to teach your kids that focus on what you can control. So let's say you're in quarantine, which would be not fun if you're in college. At least, you know, make sure you're reaching out to someone and connecting with people every day by video. But you've got to focus on what you can control. And also, I would say disconnect sometimes or limit your viewing of news and social media that's focusing on some of the really depressing things going on in the news right now. So focus on what you can control, limit how much news and social media you're taking in, and also set time limits for your worry time. Because I think we're all feeling some worry right now, but say, okay, I'm going to worry five minutes a day about COVID and then I'll just go kind of do what I have to do. I think all of us need to set time limits on our worry because it's easy to just keep worrying about everything. Absolutely. And obviously there's worry about physical health, worry about sort of what the restrictions will mean for you on campus. And then there are students who may not be so concerned about their physical health, which a lot aren't because they're young and they tend to have, you know, experienced the virus in different ways, less intense ways. But it seems to me that just the disruption and the uncertainty in the last 18 months seems to have been a a major 
major stressor, would you say, from a psychological perspective? Oh, yes. I mean, I personally thought things would be much different right now. And, and I live in Florida where the Delta variant is really strong right now. There are a lot of cases People are trying to figure out how is the semester going to start? And you almost have to say to your young adults, go with the flow, because it could be they might say for the next week, we're doing online classes or let's try in-person classes. But I think if let's say a student has a medical condition and they're not sure what they feel safe doing, they should call their medical provider and say, what do you think I should do to be safe? And I would encourage young adults to get vaccinated. I'm a big fan of that. I think that'll help reduce the risk and keep keep them healthy. But again, most campuses have student healthcare centers. Students, please go if you have any concerns. Often they'll do telehealth visits, but reach out for help if, if you are concerned. And I'm also, I'm a fan of masks now, but I know each campus is doing things differently, but I'm still masking up and I've got vaccinated. So, you know, I think we all need to take measures to keep ourselves safe. We're taking a quick break to thank the sponsor of this episode, Christie Campus Health, dedicated to supporting the mental health and well-being of college students. So, Marsha, I want to ask you about another facet of your work, which we have been following. You give advice for parents who have students with mild to moderate, as well as severe mental conditions when they go to school. And I know that you've done great work with students with serious mental illness and their parents, particularly around how to support these students on campus often after they've returned from a medical leave. I refer to your paper often, the Recovering in Place publication that you did speak specifically to that. Can you talk a little bit about what policies or best practices college should be looking for to support these students? We did some work on this and had a quadcast interview recently with Dr. Dory Hutchinson at BU. And it seems as though this is an area that needs a lot more improvement and examination. I know you've done some, some great work on it. So could you talk a little bit about what parents and administrators should be thinking about for students with serious mental illness? Well, I'm going to talk about two aspects of helping students with serious mental illness. One aspect is collaboration, and the other aspect is specialized treatment. So regarding collaboration, one part of that is working with family or a support system if family isn't involved. But if a student is having a mental health crisis, Family should be part of the treatment team. And that means for psychiatric providers and counselors to get a release of information form, have the students sign it, and then bring the support system into the discussion. And studies show that improves recovery, let's say if someone's coming out of the hospital or just if someone's dealing with suicidal thinking in general. It helps to get that support system activated. In the same sense, administration can involve family too through the dean of students office um, if necessary. And there are different policies and procedures about that and different laws. But generally, I find that um, student administrations are doing more outreach to parents. And usually that requires a FERPA waiver form. But the administration can get the parents involved and help kind of help the students figure out what to do regarding school or success coaches. So sometimes if a student's really struggling, getting that family involved can be very beneficial. And the family can also kind of 
encourage a student to follow through with treatment because when you're depressed, it's hard to get to your appointments, even by telehealth. So parents can say, I really want you to attend your appointments and take your medicine consistently. We really love you and care about you. So now I talked about family collaboration, but there's also what I would call interdisciplinary collaboration on campus. And that, again, we need release of information forms. A student will need to agree to this for this to happen, but it's collaboration between the mental health providers, the dean of students' office, success coaches, the DRC, Disability Resource Center, just to make sure we're all on the same page. So that, that kind of collaboration is important. Or the dean of students' office might know a student's in crisis and might want to inform the psychiatrist or if the student's been hospitalized. That's important for people to be on the same page and helping the student. So there's also the specialized treatment aspect for students with more severe problems like severe depression or bipolar disorder. Sometimes students do have episodes of psychosis. It doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen. So in those instances, it's important to have intensive outpatient treatment. And what I mean is it might be meeting three hours, three times a week, but we refer students to a community intensive outpatient therapy if students need that or they're coming out of the hospital, or we have them attend multiple group therapies on campus, but some students need more intensive care and the once a week or once every other week therapy won't work. But I I think it would be better if campuses had the intensive outpatient services on campus and some places provide that. Not that common, but It happens. So having access to intensive outpatient care is important for students who are struggling. And the last part of of specialized treatment is having substance misuse disorder treatment. That's the technical term we use in the DSM-5, the Diagnostic Manual now. We don't say substance abuse, we say substance misuse. But anyways, I'm seeing a lot more people struggling with alcohol problems. That's the number one substance use problem on campus and use heavy marijuana use where they're numbing their anxiety, but they can't get their schoolwork done. But the alcohol use is a, is a pretty serious problem. And students might need, again, an intensive outpatient substance use program. And we have one right near our campus that's outstanding. So we need to make sure that area is addressed because if you're a student misusing substances, they're not going to recover from their depression or anxiety. So we need to, that needs to be addressed along with the mental health issues. So again, the collaboration and the specialized treatment is critical. Yeah, that's a really great way to sort of sum it up. It's a complicated issue, as you well know. Interesting that you brought up substance use. That was something I was thinking about in terms of the the mental health and behaviors relative to returning to school after COVID. I think a lot of people are concerned about that. I don't know if that's a concern that you share in terms of students heading back and and maybe using, as you say, alcohol or marijuana to, to try to alleviate some of what they've been going through around mental health distress. And that is a concern. And many campuses are hiring more substance counselors. Or like I said, we have a unit right near us that does great substance um, use disorder treatment. So that is something I'm concerned about. And it's really the hardest part of treating substance problems is students are, are drink. I mean, that's part of the student culture but it can get out of control. And some, and there are some students also who can't 
stop drinking once they start, or they act in ways that they're disinhibited by alcohol or other substances where they might feel suicidal or even hurt others. Right. So that's the hard part for the students. Most students can tolerate some alcohol and sleep it off, but there's a subset of students who really can't tolerate any alcohol and there's always a bad outcome when they drink. It's hard to stop on a, on a campus when there's so much drinking. And I do like the idea of sober dorms. There used to be sober tailgates on our campus mm -hmm. for students. And I just, I just love that idea because some students, it's not their fault. It's their bio biological makeup. They just can't use drugs or I don't want anyone to use drugs, especially, but they just can't use drugs or alcohol in any amounts, it, it tends to lead to serious problems. There are There is that group of students. Right, absolutely. Marcia, we're gonna have to let you get back to your busy day. It does sound that one of the things that I've been hearing in this conversation that I can't help but think is going to maybe be a change or at least be something that's emphasized is collaboration and communication. It sounds like you talk about case management, you talk about all these different collaborative efforts between departments and higher ed. We all know some schools do that better than others, but would you say just as last word that that would be something for administrators that's going to be really important this fall? Yes. And even on our own campus, we've had an increase in the number of case managers working both in the mental health services and the dean of students office. And I am so grateful for the case managers we have on campus and they are just such wonderful people and de again deal with issues like food and housing and sometimes legal issues and family issues but again we have students coming in with more problems now i think due to a lot of social change social issues going on so I think that may be one of the take home messages. I think it's a cost effective way of helping people to hire more case managers and help the students with the problems that keep them from pursuing their academic goals. Got it. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more, Marsha. I love having you on the show. Thank you so much. Your advice is always great. Again, I can't help but interject personally because I love the advice that you give me as a parent. And I know that uh, there's a lot of us out there listening to you as well as administrators and higher ed leaders. So thank you so much and best of luck as you start school next week. Thank you. And to all the students and their parents, I hope despite everything that's going on, I hope you guys can have a wonderful year. Terrific. Thanks so much, Marsha. You take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been The Quadcast, a program of the Mary Christie Institute. To learn more about our work, go to marychristieinstitute.org, where you can sign up for our other programs, like the MC Feed and the Mary Christie Quarterly. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening.